clearly do not. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Hot dog! Welcome back to KWTO, man. This is Steve Bukowski, a Springfield Board of Education member, and I'm filling in for Elijah Har today. And today we have a, a, a great, healthy lineup of, of speakers. We had Will Sharfon, who is running for uh, Missouri's Office of the Attorney General. Then we have had uh, Alan Isaac. Alan, uh, we asked him to uh, stand by because I have two Green County people here, and I'm sure we can get uh, a little excitement going here between both of them. And we had uh, Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, who's running for Missouri governor. And uh, today uh, I've asked uh, uh, Missouri's Green County clerk Shane Scholler to come in uh, I think it's fitting because uh, Jay, uh, Jay Ashcroft is our Secretary of State and trying to become the uh, next governor. And uh, Shane is vying for that position of the Missouri Secretary of State. Now, in our studio, we still have Noriko, our Power Ranger. I'm still here. <laughs> Where's all the Funko coming in? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nobody wants to talk to us. I don't know. And, and then we have Garrett, our producer. He's over there making funny faces. And uh, you know that that music that you put on coming. This is my in? regular face, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that that beat of that drum, you know, that just makes me feel like I'm in line, or or maybe I'm on some Viking ship, and I'm just you know strolling, roll, roll. Uh, but anyway, hey, look, we're going to go a little bit faster than that roll. Uh, today we have uh, Shane Scholler here, ladies and gentlemen. He's a proud Missourian, a husband and a father. Uh, Shane grew up in uh, Branson, Missouri, and graduated from Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar. Uh, his wife, uh, Mindy, they both live in Willard, Missouri, mm-hmm. and they have three children. And uh, Shane has always been a dedicated public servant. Uh, he served up in the missouri's house uh, as a representative how long was that Uh, you introduce yourself come on in here hey appreciate it well it's great to be here with alan because we had the privilege to be able to serve together for a while when i was up there but i was there for three terms um was elected in 06 sworn in in 07 and uh, finished my third term in 2012 and then after that what happened well i ran in 2012 for secretary of state and uh, had a really great campaign that year um, narrowly won the primary and then went on to the general and just finished short of winning the secretary of state race. Matter of fact, got the second most votes of anyone on the ticket that year. Peter Kinder, a lieutenant governor, he mm. did win that year. Um, but we had a real challenging year, as you may recall, that year in 2012 in Missouri. And so it just didn't quite work out. And then the best part that happened was I got an opportunity to be able to run for Green County Clerk. My predecessor decided not to run in 2014. Richard struck off. And, you know, it is an incredible opportunity to serve at the county level. You know, both Al and I, we serve at the state legislative level, and that was a privilege. That was a privilege. But I'll tell you what, you really roll up your sleeves and get down to work when you're at the county level. And there's there's an aspect of it where you really do get to serve the people in a way that uh, I really appreciate, especially being able to minister elections and the things that we do. And, of course, Al and I, we work together on the tax administration process 
Um, we do that together in terms of working with the assessor, which is where Noriko is at. You know, we get those valuations from the assessor. Then I'm our office, me as county clerk, as secretary of the board of equalization. So if someone's like, I don't like my property value, they get to come appeal it. And then after the board of equalizations makes its final decisions, we then update the um, valuation record in terms of the personal property and or the real estate property. Of course, the board of equalization does the real estate property. And then at that point, we send it to the collector, Allen. So that's one aspect of what we do. And that's a critically important role when you think about your schools, as you know, being a school board member, um, you think about your cities, you think about the Green County, you think your fire protection districts. All those things come together with our offices to make sure that you get your services funded in your city and your school and your fire protection district. So that's another part of what we do in the county clerk's office. We also oversee the payroll for the county. So there's Amen. Uh, a little over 1,200 <laughs> folks that work um, throughout the year for the county. So we oversee that aspect as well as retirement benefits. We also um, retain the records in terms of any records that have to be retained. For, for example, some are permanent, some are a period of time. Um, so I do that for our office, the county commission, and then sometimes other offices like the collector will say, we've got records we need to um, have you store for us, so we'll store them on behalf of their office holders. Then we oversee notary and licensing, and I joke I'm a teetotaling Baptist, but I do have my name on every liquor establishment in Green County. So. <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. So, and uh, anyway, so so there's a lot of duties, and that's why I, I've told folks, you know, even running for Secretary of State, you know, Secretary of State has a diversity of duties, as you well know. It's not mm. just elections. You know, they do voter registration just like we do in elections, but the Secretary of State oversees um, investment securities in terms of making sure when you invest your funds that those funds are protected in terms of the investor you're investing with. And if there is a fraudulent investor, Secretary of State's going to go after that individual or individuals and make sure to shut that down on behalf of those investing. Also oversee, um, they have the archives too for the state, state archives. And then they also oversee business services. So anytime you have an LLC or you're going to register your business, you'll do that through the Secretary of State's office. And I love that. Because I love entrepreneurism. I love the idea. Growing up in Branson as a kid, you get to see small business everywhere all throughout, you know, the city of Branson and just the Ozarks. And so I just love the idea of people saying, you know what, I got an idea. I want to start a business. And so they're going to come to the Secretary of State to do that in terms of getting their um, business license for the state. And so that's important. Um, and then they also have the library division. So not only for just in terms of the state library, but the library for the blind too, the Wolfner Library for the blind. So there's multiple duties, and that's why as kind of clerk, it really prepares you well in terms of the diverse duties we have and the same aspect that happens at the state level too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of duties that uh, people don't really understand uh, being the secretary of the state. And even where you are right now, I, mm-hmm. believe it or not, I, I have this notebook that I take to the Board of Education uh, with me, and inside that notebook I have all of my nice little uh, things that I like to have handy in case yes. I need it. I open that thing up, but on the very front of that three ring binder is Shane Schuller's name. By golly, <laughs> your signature. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yes. And oh, so I see awesome. you all the time. Buddy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now I know why you have all these nightmares. I got it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that uh, import. What's important to me is when, when you see things that happened in 2020, the election with mm-hmm. Donald Trump and and all the balloting issues that we had all, around the United yeah. States and uh, and then how the Secretary of State's got involved in mm-hmm. in the different states and that. And so it's a really, really 
uh, important position. Did I have yes. enough reallys in there? I maybe need one more. That was really important. <laughs> it is a really important position where, uh, and here's how it is important, is when you screw up and you mess up, mm-hmm. man, everybody's all over you. You bet. Uh, I don't I don't think it's as bad as Donald Trump would get it, but uh, <laughs> it, it's really difficult. And since you've been in the position that you hold right now for the Green County, you all I've heard and all I have seen is nothing but great work out of you. And I really mean that uh, from my heart. Uh, and, and why that's important is uh, let's just take the elections for the school board. I remember uh, somebody calling me up and they had a precinct out there and, and somebody thought that there was some issues with the balance mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I no longer picked up the phone in, in about one minute and called and I think that you had that resolved in a matter of five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's a job that is never ending. Uh, it's, it's a job that's very important. People have to rely upon you. They have to have the confidence in your abilities. And I think you've done nothing but an outstanding job. That's just my opinion. Sure. Uh, and so I like your opinion. Just so well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But it's I got to give credit to the team too. You yes. know, it's a team, and I have a great team. It's a bipartisan office. A lot of people don't know that, um, but I believe in that. In terms of that's something I learned from my predecessor. We've continued that, so that when people have questions, they know there's Republicans, they know there's Democrats in the office, and that way they understand that we take the process seriously. That there's not partisan activity when we're conducting elections. We all have our personal viewpoints. Those are important. I say, talk about the example you give of the complexity that your office has. I remember the story you, you've used as an example. It's like having a, a dinner party at your house. You invite hundreds and thousands, but it's not just one. It's 84, 85 mm-hmm. parties yeah. the same night across the county. How, so, that's how complex. What I tell is, is every polling location is essentially we're hosting an event for um, all the voters that reside in that particular precinct. And we want to make sure that when they come that – what we're giving them is the ballot that they should be voted on for the school that they live in, the um, fire protection district they live in, the city if they live in it. All those things need to be correct and accurate for the voter. Um, when you're in a local election, like when you run in April, and then the same thing when you come up to you know your um, August primary, your November general, you want to make sure that they got the right state rep, they have the right state senator. They have all those things that make sure they're accurately voting on the people that they should be voting for. And so that's why we want to make sure everyone has that same experience. And so really you are preparing, in essence, when you think about all the polling locations across the county, you want to make sure that the experience is the same for everyone. Do you get to write the language on the ballot? No, actually it's one thing the county clerk does not do. Um, really? Matter of fact, even when the county submits an issue, the county commission will submit the ballot language, but the county clerk has no role in writing the ballot language. You know, we have somebody in this room that needs to register the vote here in the county, I think. Yeah, I'm trying, all right? There's a lot of stuff on the plate right now. I got here about, I got to Springfield about seven, eight months ago, I'm pretty sure. And so yes. I'm still trying to get everything transferred over from my original home in Lebanon. You bet. But, uh, yeah, you, you might be getting a phone so call. So where do you, where do you days. live at? Around, I'll, I'm not going to give out my address. That's right. I'm doxing you out right now. <laughs> no, I, the the uh, in the yeah. area of Missouri State, we'll say that's, okay. that's the well, easiest way to. What I was going to tell it. you is that if you if you live near a local library, if you're not near the courthouse, and you're pretty near the courthouse, mm-hmm. if you're at Missouri State, 
You can go to any branch of the local library. We have deputy and registrars there, and you can get registered right there in person. You can always do it online, but you're not showing your ID at that time. So we, and before we can get your voter ID card, you would have to come and show the proper documentation and before we can get your voter ID card. But if you have a local library branch, you just want to come to the courthouse, we can take care of you real quick. And so, well, this is just great. I'm going to ask this like it's an interview question, but this is actually just me asking what what sort of documentation is necessary? How long does that process sort of take in general? Do you have a driver's license? I do. Is it current? Yeah. All right. Then and I wouldn't admit it on the radio if it Absolutely. wasn't. <laughs> he's already trying to get him paying taxes. I hate to bring that up, but he's working it's not on the Mexico. Mexico is like, no. No, the, and just so you know, I ask voters these questions off the radio all the time. But I was like, yeah, you probably don't want to give it your address on the radio. I understand that. So. Yeah, but we are going to have the sheriff here now, absolutely. like waiting for me at the station. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. They have a new jail, you know. Yeah, it's good. very I've heard good things about the jail. Great. I'm excited to yeah, go for man. a visit. That's right. That's I'm right. Pumped. Just just make it a visit, not a permanent that's resident. Right. Yeah. Just visiting. Yeah, that's that's what the Monopoly board says, right? Yeah, just that's visiting. Good. That's my goal. Yeah, that's you know, I, we're we're going to be coming down to another segment here. And in that segment, I want to just talk about. Yeah. Um, the things that you have gone through as, uh, in order to appropriately run a, a an election, yes. and 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 even more important, how it is that you actually took the lead in many of these uh, situations, training events, and things of that nature, yeah. and and how it is that you know a lot of people come to you. You know, I'm not talking about just Green County. Right. I mean, you're talking about people from around the state of Missouri, and they they look up to you because of how well I think that you have have conducted yourself in this office. Uh, what was it, 2012? Is that right? That you came into this office here? No, 20. Uh, I was elected in 2014. 2014. 2015. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. 2014. Yeah. Okay. So you. You're you're in my ninth year now. You're, I mean, you're about ready to get out of this thing if, <laughs> if you're hoping to, anyway. So, and, we, and we'll talk about a little bit about uh, you know your campaign if we will. But uh, right after this uh, this next segment, uh, we'll get into that, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to, to the Elijah Har Show on KWTO with Garrett as our producer and my lovely wife Nariko sitting there looking pretty. <laughs> we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Glitter fades and the walls won't hold Cause from then Is there something? Right? I don't think they're going to stop him. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show with Springfield's premier news analysis and opinion on 93.3 and AM 560, the new KWTO. And welcome back to KWTO. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not Elijah Har. This is Steve McCoskey, ladies and gentlemen, filling in for Elijah. And we have Garrett, our producer. He's uh, keeping me on right on the right track. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have in studio right now Shane Scholler our Green County clerk, and Alan Isaac. And Alan uh, was on a little bit earlier. I hope you had uh, a little bit of entertainment with Alan there. Uh, hopefully on the, what is it, Senate Bill 190. Senate Bill yes, yes, yes. So we're going to make some money now. Noriko just left. She's going to go out and spend it right now, thanks to you. Uh, hey, look, 
Shane, uh, I'm glad you came on. And, you know, there's uh, the, the earlier segment, we just talked a little bit about you and, and what you did, mm-hmm. what what the – actually, you kind of rolled down uh, the uh, the list of what the Secretary of State actually does. And, and you're, definitely you're in uh, in the race for the Secretary of State. But before we get there, I really want to kind of solidify something here, and that is – since you had came into the position in 2014, 2015, you uh, you mm-hmm. came in as the uh, the county clerk for Green County. I, I I just can't express to you how gratifying it is to have somebody like you in that position. But you know the work never stops, and right. and you really have gone to town in the nine years uh, that that you've been in this office. I'd like you to break that down a little bit. What what kind of action has you have you been involved with? How is it that you help uh, continue to solidify your position, and how it is that you uh, you maintain the integrity of the voting ballot for people to feel comfortable to go to the ballot and actually you know click or you know fill in the dot mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. vote and, and 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 feel good about by the end of the evening that we really have good solid elections and we should feel confident with you in that position well and the key to me is transparency letting people come see watch the process be involved in the process and really from my very first election i began to see and understand you know our statutes are designed that we have bipartisan election judge teams supervisory judges are always one republican one democrat and then we do our best to make sure all the regular judges are one Republican, one Democrat. Um, and if not, they've got to be of opposite political party. And so we always make sure and have that. But you quickly understand that, one, you know, elections involve people, and that's the best thing, and sometimes that's the most challenging thing. And I would rather have it the way we have it than what we have in North Korea or China, where one person is making the decision for everyone. And my point about that is you'll learn, you know, sometimes election judges make mistakes, because they're just there for one day. We give them as much training as we can. But through that process, for example, we used to do all of our election judge training in one setting. So we'd go through all the laws. Then we'd go through all the hands-on training. And I realized by the time we were done, there was just a weariness that had set in. They weren't absorbing and learning the way they needed to. So one of the things we did was we broke out our training where we do hands-on training. And so we have people come in and they learn how to make sure that in the morning they can turn on the check-in equipment, meaning that the poll pads are check-in voters, turn on the um, the actual voting machine itself in terms of the of the DS-200 that accepts the ballots, make sure they understand how to operate that. Then we have a separate training where we go through, here's the laws that you go through the day of the election that you need to follow as you, know, you open up before. Um, from 5 to 6 a.m., here's your duties. We go through the entire day of what happens during the day. And then after 7 o'clock, here's what happens to close it down. And so we've really broken down. We've created an entire manual before that. We just kind of had, um, we had some, you know, instructions that were, um, had been, it was kind of on just regular eight and a half by 11 copy. You know, we'd give everyone copy. And I suddenly realized that's not adequate. I want to empower our judges that when they have questions, they can take this manual home. So we've itemized it out where it goes through the specific duties and, and all the different questions and things that happen in, in your polling location to make sure that they have the information right there at their fingertips to be ready. And then another thing, um, back in uh, 2018, we created um, training videos. Uh, Color 10 came alongside, donated their time to awesome. help us be able to keep training videos. 
because there's some things being able to explain it versus watch what happens. So we set up situations where literally we would have, you know, election judges, greeting voters, some of the challenges you have. Like, for example, one of the problems some of our election judges had was watching when someone was potentially directing or coercing a voter and how to fill out that ballot. That can be an intimidating situation. If you're an election judge, how do I intervene in that? So mm, we oh yeah. create a video that says, here's how you do that. Here's how you interact. Here's what needs to take place. And so they watch that um, video to be able to help them. And so those are the types of tools that we've done just to make sure on election day that we're ready in terms of being able to greet the voter. And one of the biggest ones we had is the accessible voting equipment. And so that's the equipment that if you can't fill out a regular paper ballot, you can use a touch screen or you can you put on the audio and you have what I call a game paddle and you can listen to the audio. Shut, you know, I even try to shut my eyes and I was able to fill out a ballot. It was that easy to use. But we had challenges in terms of some of our election judges. We do kind of a, you know, group training. And then on the day of the election, I'd go in and, and the machine wasn't set up. And so I said, no more. We're now going to have a test that shows whether or not they can actually proficiently not only set up the election, the um, accessible voting equipment, but they can instruct a voter on how to use it. And the reason why is we're paying these people, and I want to make sure that, one, we are being wise with the taxpayer dollars in terms of when we do send them out there, and, two, when voters need it and suddenly it's not available to them, it's a real problem, as you can imagine. So we've seen a much higher proficiency rate in terms of, knowing how to set up that equipment, how to instruct voters on it. So those are some of the improvements we've been able to make over my past period of time. And, again, um, I have a great team that has helped me with that. I've not done that alone. Um, you know, I'll say, hey, I've got an idea, and then they take and run with it. And then the things we learned from 2020. Um, I know I need to let you ask some questions, but there was a lot no, of things we learned from 2020. Nope. For example, as you know, the legislature voted um, for a limited period of time to allow more voting by mail. Well, I tell people in 2016, we had about 10,000 people vote before the day of the election for the November general. 7,000 of those were in person. About 3,000, I'm just using general numbers, were by mail. Well, you get to 2020, as we know, some people, especially during that era, we didn't know if they could safely be in the public and not harm their health. So the legislature passed a provision that would allow people to vote by mail if they wanted to. Um, and it provides some other provisions for people that were at high risk for COVID that they could go ahead and vote their their absentee ballot without having to have it notarized like a regular sick person could. Well, that increased our volume where we had not only more people vote before the election, but we had about 30, 34,000 people vote before the day of the election. So it went from 10,000 to about 34,000. Wow. And then about half of them voted by mail and about half of them voted in person. Well, we had, you know, a process when we had 3,000 ballots coming by mail, but we didn't have a process to absorb that many ballots coming in. So what that helped us learn is through that pressure in terms of all the intensity that happened, what can we learn from it? One was how we oversee the chain of custody, the documentation that follows in terms of when we receive the ballots, when the ballots are put into the machines to go out to the polling locations, when we get them ready for absentee voting. All those different things, we looked at our forms, we improved our forms, we created additional forms, we created um, an envelope, which sounds silly, but on the day of the election, when election judges go in, there's a number of seals that they cut off. Before, they would throw them in the supply bin, they might throw them in the election equipment. We now have an envelope that has a one site, 
the seals and the numbers. So when we're certifying the equipment in terms of our bipartisan teams to make sure it's ready, because we certify that it's town, it is tallying the vote accurately and correctly before we send it out. They now, when they cut those off, they check the seal, make sure it's the same seal number, and then they record on the other side, and then they drop those seals in those envelopes. Those were the the lessons learned from 2020. Mm-hmm. That, And I'm not a big vote-by-mail fan, just well, so you know. Look, I'm not a fan of it, but we learn from it to improve. Let me ask you this. Uh, is there anything like ballot harvesting here in Greene County? It, as far as I know, we haven't had a case in Greene County, but in 2016 it happened in St. Louis. There was a Democratic primary. Um, between two candidates. And, and what, is, what what is ballot harvesting, though? Ballot harvesting is where someone is going and basically picking up the ballots and the envelopes with the ballots from the voters. And a lot of times, and again, it's a case-by-case scenario, um, the concern is the ballot could be filled out for the voter, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's concerns that the voter never did fill out the ballot, so they're just requesting them, and then the ballots being filled out to the voter. So there can be different situations, but the point is someone even if the voter is filling out the ballot, they're going and collecting the ballots. They've done this in California for years. They legalized it a long time ago. In Missouri, you can't do that. You know, I can't, okay. um, you know, go and just collect ballots from anyone just because they, even I'm the county clerk. Like, they have to bring it to the office and drop it off if they don't mail it, or a relative in the secondary of consanguinity has to drop it off for them, and they have to sign that they are that person and show ID okay. when they do. But the point is, in St. Louis, on the night of the – uh, Democratic primary in 2016, the person who won the election, their election day total didn't match their absentee vote total. And so when they went back and looked, there was a lot of questions, irregularities, as it's called in the law, about these absentee ballots and how they were brought to the office. So the um, judge ordered a brand new election, and a few weeks later, guess what? The other candidate won. And so there's an example just yeah. that I can think of most recently in our state where it did happen. Do we have any uh, machines hooked up to the Internet? One of the things when we went out to purchase our equipment in 2017-2018 is I worked with our IS team, um, Information Services. They do all of our um, tech work for us for the county. Alan knows that as well. We work together a lot. And I said, I want to make sure when we read the specs of the voting equipment that nothing has any connectivity to the Internet. And so that was one of the things we did before we purchased the equipment is to make sure even wireless. there was, in terms of wireless, yeah, we did not want any connectivity in terms of that being installed on the equipment. And so um, that was one of the things we uh, made sure before we purchased Some the equipment. Some integrity there. Yes, absolutely. All right. Now, let's shift gears because you are in a campaign right now. Yes. All right, man, you want to be the next Missouri Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about you and how it is. Why should we be voting for Shane Scholler for Secretary of State? Well, I think you want someone who can come to the office day one and be ready to fill the role in terms of the duties of the office. One of the things a lot of folks don't know is after 2020, we've seen a real changeover of people that were previously county clerks, which encompasses the election duties as well, either resigned or didn't run again. We have, I think, a little over 40 brand-new election authorities slash county clerks across the state. There's only 116 election jurisdictions in our state. Because in the city of St. Louis, you have the city of St. Louis, city of Kansas City, and they have Jackson County, St. Louis County Election Board, so that's why we have 116 um, because we have 14 counties. But my point in that is that we have a lot of brand-new people 
who are brand new administering elections. We need someone who can come alongside them and be ready to assist them day one through the role of the Secretary of State. I come in ready to be able to do that on their behalf. Um, another example I give is a lot of people think about election night 2000. You may recall a lot of people put their focus on Florida, as oh, they yeah. should have. Oh, yeah. Well, had it not been Florida, it would have been Missouri that would have been the focus of the nation that night because a lot of people um, have forgotten. But on election night 2000, in the city of St. Louis, they petitioned a local circuit judge to hold the polls open from 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock. So when you and I got done voting on election night 2000 at 7 o'clock, they continued to be able to vote. Now, here's what a lot of people don't know is um, the night before, Congressman Clay was telling a uh, at a Democrat rally that they were going to make sure people got to vote even if it went past 7 o'clock. <laughs> Next day, people began at their homes to receive phone calls, and Jesse Jackson was calling to tell them that they could continue to vote past 7 o'clock. This was before the polls even closed. Then, from 7 to 7.30, another round of phone calls began to come into people's homes, and it was from then Vice President Al Gore, running for president, telling people, you can continue to vote until 10 o'clock. The person they filed the petition on behalf of was dead, <laughs> wasn't even alive, Okay. That's the type of shenanigans. Now, here's my point. You need a Secretary of State who's going to step in right there and say, no, we are not going to let that happen. Every voter will be treated fairly across the state, and that is wrong. That um, Secretary of State had been appointed by our Democratic governor during that period of time, Becky Cook, and she did nothing to be able to stop that. That's why you need experience in that office so we can put a stop to those shenanigans when they happen. And. We have one minute left before the next segment. Tell us how it is that we can uh, we can help Shane Scholler, or how we can actually reach out to you and your your campaign, and uh, maybe be part of it, or Absolutely. maybe even contribute, or you or bet. where we can learn more about you. Tell us about so, that. You can go to Shane for SOS dot com. So just H A S H A N E F O R S O S dot com, and you can sign up to be volunteer there. You can sign up to donate to the campaign. There are a number of ways you can get involved um, to be part of the campaign, and I certainly welcome that for anyone who wants to do that. And, of course, I'm showing up to a lot of different events. I was at our um, you know, Target Barbecue just a couple weeks ago, but I always enjoy meeting folks and being able. Now, we don't do that in the courthouse. There's no campaign in the courthouse. So um, if you come to the courthouse to talk about the campaign, it's not going to happen. But anything apart from the courthouse, we will do that. So That's outstanding. Shane? Shane Shoulder, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you very much for coming and sharing your information with us. We're going to end up our last uh, segment here in just a second. You're listening to the Elijah Har Show on KWTO. We'll be right back. Nobody likes those pesky newsletters that spam up your inbox weekly or even worse, daily. That's why our KWTO Insiders Club only reaches out when it's important. If you join our Insiders Club, you get exclusive access to our best content, and we only reach out when you really, really should know something epic that's going on in KWTO land. Be a super fan and check out our Insiders Concrete. From the job site to your home, team up with Team Tools and Makita's wide range of power tools. Come in. 
This is the Elijah Har Show with Springfield's premier news analysis and opinion on 93.3 and AM 560, the new KWTO. Well, I am sorry to disappoint you, listeners. Eli is not coming. He's not. I always struggle with whether I play this song or not for the last segment because we play it every time Elijah's here, and it this time he's not, but I wanted to maybe psych out a few people. I think maybe you ought to change it to Stevie's coming. Is that, is that a song? Well, if, we, if there's a let's song, make one. here comes Stevie. I yeah. can do something. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Stevie's a lot easier to find in songs than Mikowski, so I'll, I'll yeah. do some digging. <laughs> Thanks, Garrett. You're all right. You know that. And he will. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Elijah Har Show on KWTO. We thank you very much for uh, listening to us today. Uh, we had a great lineup. Will Sharp, who's the, the candidate for the uh, Missouri State Attorney General. Then we had Alan Isaac, the Green County, Missouri Collectors of Revenue. And then we had uh, Jay Ashcroft for uh, he's running for the uh, governor of the state of Missouri. And then we had uh, Shane Scholler. Uh, that is Missouri or Green County, Missouri's uh, uh, county clerk. Yep. I just got yep. a blank. Shane Scholler, county, <coughs> county clerk. clerk yep. yep. Now I think we have something that is really truly uh, a remarkable program, and I've asked the honor <laughs> flights of the Ozarks to come in. Now, now I got somebody laughing at that. I mean, come on! It is a remarkable program. Think about this, you know. And, and and I have to be quite honest with you. When I say it's remarkable, I'm a veteran uh, in the Navy for 21 years, and uh, I've I've had a lot of people uh, that I know that I work with and that have passed away, and many of them. Um, in fact, I did a speech here at the National Cemetery uh, for veterans, uh, and uh, I have friends that are they're buried there, uh, and and oftentimes these veterans. They don't get the recognition that they may so deserve. And and here's a program that actually helps the veterans uh, of different types of campaigns and wars that have an opportunity to go up and see a lot of the memorials uh, that represent, you know, what they did, you know, and, and they never have a chance to see that. Well, here's a program that allows uh, people to sponsor veterans and that and helps pay for their trip to go to Washington, D.C. and see the different memorials and that uh, that actually represent them. But right now today I have uh, Charlie German, uh, who is from the – did I say that right, German? Yes. All right. Yeah, from uh, the uh, Honor Flight of the Ozarks here at this chapter. Is it a chapter? Is that right? It's a considered a hub. A hub? Okay. Yeah, that's their technical term And then we have uh, yeah. Teresa Suda. Uh, Teresa is a member of the Springfield Elks 409 uh, Elks Lodge, and they're putting on a benefit uh, that's coming up in October, and we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the honor flight of the Ozarks. We want to talk about the benefit here and how it is that you all can be part of this in order to help and donate to the honor flights of the Ozarks and that. But let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit about the honor flights of the Ozarks. Charlie, introduce yourself. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, yes, I am a board member of Honor Flight of the Ozarks. We put together uh, three flights a year to take uh, 81 veterans along with 81 guardians 
our medical staff and uh, members of the board and members of the organization that help facilitate uh, two members per bus, per coach, along with our flight director. And our main function really is to raise money. Raise money for the three flights because it costs over $150,000 for each flight. And uh, that covers everything. And that's after negotiating uh, with the airlines to get the cost down as much as we can, the cost of the meals, um, everything related to it gets negotiated uh, throughout the year. We, we, we're always trying to get the best bang for our buck. And uh, so this uh, fundraiser that the Elks are putting on for us is another great uh, way for the area, the people that live in the area, to come and help support what we do. And that is, like I said, like you said, getting the veterans to Washington, D.C. to see them, see the monuments, the memorials, the things that they fought to protect. Uh, Probably this is just a personal thing, but if if there was one other thing I would add to that trip is if we could ever get our veterans to be able to have time to get into the archives and see the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, so they could see this is what you defended. That's awesome. That would be mm-hmm. a, a great thing if we could ever ever get that worked in. But <clears throat> that's what we do. We get there and it's a full day. We uh, start pretty darn early in the morning and don't get back until about 10 o'clock each night and when we're talking about veterans too you know going to the memorials in washington dc we're looking at the world war ii you have a korean conflict you have vietnam veterans era you have desert shield desert storm right now that are that just been actually put on that list i believe right? most recently is that right desert um, shield desert storm they yes they they've been added um we are still getting a few Korean veterans to take that flight uh, as long as they're health, uh, healthy enough to make that flight and their doctors let them go. We, we love it when a, a Korean vet uh, is able to make that, that trip. And I think if everything goes well and um, the government is still open in October, we'll be able to take that flight that we have currently scheduled. And I think there's four. Is that right? Is there four Korean? I believe there's four veterans that are on this current flight, which makes I mean, it just makes it more exciting for us to know that we're still being able to reach back that far. Yeah, history and and uh, mm-hmm. and bring them along. And, and we, uh, well, uh, I see here that we, we uh, visit the World War II Memorial. Yes, that's our first stop. The Korean conflict. Uh, you have Navy, Air Force, Vietnam, and Iwo Jima memorials and the Arlington Cemetery. Along with the Air Force um, memorial. Um, Did I leave out the Air Force? Oh. I would never do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Navy guys. Not deliberately. Yeah, those Navy guys. You know, <laughs> um, you know and, and sometimes, uh, you know, during that, that trip up there, you know how traffic is in, in uh, D.C. and the things that can can go a little sideways on you yeah you might have to bypass one of the memorials in order to get to uh, arlington and then over to the 
marine, that beautiful, huge marine statue that uh, depicts the Iwo Jima, right. the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima. And then from there, it's back to the airport and uh, things we do at the airport and, and then the flight home. Well, that's uh, that's an early trip. I mean, you're getting up really early in the morning, getting over to the airport. You're probably up, I'm going to guess, four or five in the morning. <laughs> uh, just trying to get to the airport and have that two hours is that three it's three in the morning okay. oh my goodness three in the morning and then you're not getting years. back until about 10 o'clock at night or so is what i understand uh, yes. so that's a long day especially. it's a long day for these guys yeah absolutely um and we have uh, Teresa suda here from the springfield elks lodge and i was hoping that Teresa would share with us what the elks is actually doing within the community to help out the honor flights of the ozark in order to raise awareness and funds. In fact, I think we have a really great night coming up on October 21st uh, at the Springfield 409 Elks Lodge. It's on East Bennett Street. Uh, So, Teresa, introduce yourself, and let's talk about uh, that event that's going to be on the 21st. Greetings, everyone that's tuning in right now. My name is Teresa Suda. Um, I am a proud member of the Elks Lodge number 409 I also serve on the board of directors for the Honor Flight of the Ozarks, and both of these organizations mean so much to me um, that it's it's very delightful to see that we're able to be able to help in this capacity. Um, the Elks Lodge motto is, as long as there are veterans, the benevolent and protective order of Elks will never forget them. And so that really is the heart of um, the Elks Lodge, um, not just in Springfield, but everywhere. Um, but we do have um, an exciting event coming up. Um, the Wings of Swing Big Band is going to be our entertainment. Um, to my understanding, there is um, 20 instruments that are going to be up on the stage played by very, very talented artists. So, yes, that's the wing, the Wings of Swing Big Band. Um, there is a chicken dinner. Um, it's going to be served by um, by a chef that's donating his time to come in. He's very well known, um, but I will let um, I'll, I'll let Charlie handle that part. But I can tell you that it's going to be dynamite. There will be a social hour starting at five, dinner at six, and then um, live entertainment following. Um, and then in between um, that hour or two of um, listening to the Wings of Swing Big Band, we'll have an opportunity to have a live auction. So I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it's only $35 per ticket. So if you are not doing anything that evening, grab a neighbor. This event is open to the public. Um, the dress is uh, business casual. Obviously, we're going to have a whole orchestra basically in front of us. So I would probably want to dress up, but that'll be up to you guys. Um, another way that you guys can help um, would be called the Elks Lodge directly. And um, let them know that you would like to make a charitable donation. And to reach the Elks Lodge, that phone number is 417-881-8596. And please hit extension 2. And I'll go ahead and repeat that in case you didn't have an ink pen. That's 417-881-8596. And make sure you hit number 2. So hopefully we'll see you guys there. Yeah, and it's not just that. Um, we would love to see a huge crowd here and uh, help donate to this beautiful cause. We also have, uh, I believe, this benefit fundraiser. 
we have different levels where people can call into actually the Elks Lodge and actually help donate, or uh, we can get uh, the necessary uh, donation uh, sheet for you to fill out and decide that you want to donate. We have uh, we have different levels, for example, to be recognized. We, we'll take uh, money from businesses that just want to be able to donate to the cause. We have like a space shuttle uh, size that's a thousand dollars donation or or more. Uh, we have the B fifty two Stratoforce uh, five hundred dollar donation. Uh, then you have uh, the A ten the old Warthog or Warthog they call it that's two hundred fifty dollars of a donation. And then we have the P fifty one Mustang. I know some of you will remember that one, and that is a hundred dollars. But you know you can call and you can donate as much money as you want because this is just going to help bring a lot of hearts and memories home to many of these veterans and that and just to be able to recognize them and have them travel to a memorial that was constructed for their cause for what they did for our beautiful nation in the united states and many of these uh, over the years uh, for this honor flight of the ozarks I mean, we've had a lot of people that have passed away since then because, you know, I don't even know. Is there a World War II veteran, do you know, Charlie, that may still be alive? Does anybody know that? I personally well, don't know that. World War II? World War II? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there? Okay. Uh, I know that there's uh, at least two here in the area. Really? Okay. That's awesome. Jack Hamlin, what era did he serve? And I know he was there for D-Day. Two. Okay, World War II. World War II. And then yeah. there's a, another gentleman whose name escapes me who uh, comes down to the Branson Veterans Activities during Veterans Week. Yeah. And uh, he is also a World War II veteran and uh, gets around quite well. And, and we, we actually have uh, the capability to take uh, a veteran and provide them with, the, uh, with maybe assistance. Uh, we have a sponsor that flies with them. Uh, if they're wheelchair bound or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, we still help accommodate that. Uh, what, Charlie, tell us, how would a veteran want to be part of this and, and take that flight? I mean, who do they contact? Uh, they can go online. Okay. To the Honor Flight website. They can, uh, fill out the application to get an application there. Uh, they can stop by our office on, uh, East Sunshine and, um, that office is open from 9 to 3, Monday through Friday. You know, pick up an application there. Uh, anyone who is considering uh, going as a veteran who's not flown with us before, or if someone wants to volunteer and be a guardian. Now, a guardian's cost is $500, but that goes to help pay for that flight, obviously. Um, so the, would, the veteran themselves... Does not they, pay. They don't pay. No. Okay. There's no out-of-pocket costs for the veteran at all. Uh, the uh, guardians help basically uh, with our costs, uh, and, but that's that's a that really a, a minimum. At any rate, if someone is considering being on the, one of the flights, the sooner they get their application in, the better. We have a growing list, even though we've gone from two flights a year to three flights a year to try to catch up because of the pandemic, the uh, the numbers can continue to rise on the 
how many we've got backlogged. Outstanding. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a great cause. Get a hold of the Springfield Elks Lodge and, and learn how it is that you can come, come and participate and be a part of this great effort, this fundraiser for these wonderful veterans for the honor flights of the Ozarks. You're listening to the Elijah Hart Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, listeners, for listening in. And uh, I hope I have another opportunity to get in front of you if Elijah and Garrett would just let me on. Uh, you did a pretty good job today, Steve. Every time you, uh, I hear you're coming on, I get a little excited. And you should. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you have the great rest of your week, and God bless